shows up and said, hey, hey, wait a minute. We found in the mid-90s, nearly 20 years ago, he actually preached a sermon. Lou Giglio preached a sermon and said, homosexuality is a sin. Now they, they threw a fit. Now he's not doing the inauguration anymore because he does not represent the beliefs or ideals of this platform or, or whatever the reason may be. We've traded absolutes for political correctness. We are seeing crops now of what we have sown the last 50 and 100 years. Those crops have grown and they're producing fruit now. It's almost as if we've stepped away from what our forefathers made and now it's all coming to fruition. All this political correctness, all this you can't say Jesus, all this you can't pray, the prayer coming out of schools, ripping down the Ten Commandments, it's all coming to fruition now. And now we have problems everywhere. Financial problems, spiritual problems. And to be honest, it's pretty sad, is it not? I still love my country, and I grieve over it. You watch the news, and people bickering can't agree on anything, can't accomplish anything as the nation goes down the toilet. It's sad. Once the greatest nation on earth, once the greatest economy on earth, it's sad. We have a complete breakdown of morals and values in this land, a complete breakdown. Listen to, to what are some of our founding forefathers, and this is just a short list I came up with, but this is some of the things that our founding forefathers said, and this will give you an idea of what their ideal was for this country. It'll give you an idea of how they thought, hey, let's run this country this way. Samuel Adams, he was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, the father of the American Revolution, ratifier of the U.S. Constitution and governor of Massachusetts. He said, I rely upon the merits of Jesus Christ for a pardon for all my sins. Now, that's, these are the founding fathers. That's the fabric of what we're made of. This guy wrote and signed the declaration. He signed it. And he said, I rely on the merits of Jesus Christ as a pardon for all my sins. John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of the United States, a diplomat, the secretary of state, U.S. senator, and a U.S. representative said, in the chain of human events, the birthday of the nation is indissoluble linked with the birthday of the Savior. The Declaration of Independence laid the cornerstone of human government upon the first precepts of Christianity. Now, these are our forefathers. This is what we're made of. This is what we were supposed to be. John Adams, signer of the Declaration of Independence, judge, diplomat, one of the two signers of the Bill of Rights, the second president of the United States said, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as essential and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. Another man, Gunning Bedford, a military officer, a member of the Continental Congress, a signer of the Constitution, and a federal judge, said, To the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, be ascribed all honor and dominion forevermore. Amen. Another one, Charles Carroll, 
a signer of the Declaration of Independence, selected as, as delegate to the Constitutional Convention, framer of the Bill of Rights, and a U.S. senator said, On the mercy of my Redeemer I rely for salvation and on his merits, not on the works I have done in obedience to his precepts. This is what we were. This is what they gave to us. This is what they ha- this is the baton they handed to us. And look what we have now. Another one. Gabriel Duvall, a soldier, a judge, selected as delegate to the Constitutional Convention, Comptroller of the U.S. Treasury, U.S. Supreme Court Justice, said, I resign my soul into the hands of the Almighty who gave it in humble hopes of mercy through our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a Supreme Court justice said that. Notice how all these men that, that formed and fashioned our nation, they don't only mention God, they mention his son, Jesus Christ. These are men that wrote the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, signed their names to it, handed us the baton, and look where we're at today. We did not guard what they gave us. It's sad. Is it not? Is it not sad what's happened to us? Now I got a couple quotes from our modern leaders. One of them says, We do not consider ourselves a Christian nation. In direct contrast from what our forefathers said. Direct contrast. Every single one of them gave a tribute to God, to the Holy Spirit, even, to Jesus Christ, even. And now. We do not consider ourselves a Christian nation. Another one. I believe that there are many paths to the same place and that this is a belief there is a higher power, a belief that we are connected as a people. Many paths to the same place. That's not what the Bible says. There's one way. Any other way, you're a thief and a robber, the Bible says. We have walked away from this. It's simple. We walked away from the word of God and now we have manifested problems. Now, I'm not here to, to tell you we need to pray for the president to be impeached or pray against him. No way. I'm not here to say that. At all. We need to pray for him. We need to pray for our Congress, for the House, for the Senate, for the Supreme Court justices. We need to pray for them, for this land. We are reaping what we have sown. Psalm 60, verse 1 says, O God, thou hast cast us off. Thou hast scattered us. Thou hast been displeased, O turn thyself to us again. Thou hast made the earth to tremble, thou hast broken it. Heal the breaches thereof, for it shaketh. Verse 3 says, Thou hast showed thy people hard things, that thou hast made us to drink the wine of astonishment. You skip down to verse 11, it says, Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Vain is the help of man. New bills, new legislation will not help us. God will help us. He is the only thing that will help this land. I believe 100% that God is not happy with us. He's not happy with America. You're delusional if you think God is happy with this land. Our sin arises up to the nostrils of God like foul stench. We have sin. You might say, man, hey, man, be easy. I'm not the one out getting abortions. I'm not the one out there carousing with the world. I'm in church this morning. It's our land. We are doing it. It is America aborting all the babies. It is America with a booming illegal drug industry. It is America that cannot 
pay our bills. It is America that's broke. It is us. It's us. Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. How many of you know, you need to realize this. God has given us the leaders that we have today. He has given them to us. God is not in heaven saying, oh, what in the world happened? Someone else was supposed to win the election. How did this happen? No way. God is in control of everything. Don't be confused for a moment that he is not. God has given us what we wanted. He gave this country what we wanted. God is in control all the time. He stamped, you're approved to run this. That's what you wanted. I approve of it. Here's what you got. Strange little thing called free will that God gave us. You can do whatever in the world you want to do, but God says it has consequences. He's not in heaven surprised about the outcome of the last elections. He allows this stuff. We've shouted, hey, we need to be tolerant. God says, okay, be tolerant. Be tolerant of sin, but there's consequences. He is in heaven waiting on us to realize, hey, hold on, we, we messed up. We messed up. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, we know this. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Funny thing about that scripture, God says, if my people, which are called by my name. You understand, God doesn't say, if the president, God doesn't say that if the Supreme Court humbles themselves and pray. God doesn't say the House of Representatives humble themselves and pray. The Senate humble themselves and pray. God doesn't say the heathen humble themselves and pray. God says, if my people, this body right here, the church in America, that's who God talks to. He says, if my people will humble themselves and pray. My people, God's talking to us this morning. He's not talking to the homosexuals, the transvestites, the whatevers, the haters, the killers, murderers. He's talking to his people when he's calling them to repentance. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Us, if we will humble ourselves and pray for this land, then he'll heal, hear and heal. He is waiting on us. He's not waiting on Congress to humble humble themselves and pray. Understand, he's not waiting on President Obama to humble himself and pray. He's waiting on the church. He's waiting on his people. He's waiting on the people that know the word. He's looking to us. He's looking at us. He's saying, where are you at? I'm looking for you to humble yourselves and pray. God is calling his people to repentance. If my people, which are called by my name. Now recall the lessons we learned in Sodom and Gomorrah. I know everyone remembers Sodom and Gomorrah, found in Genesis 18. Turn there, if you will. Remember Genesis, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed? I believe there's something easy to miss when we look at the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis chapter 18, verse 20. We'll start reading. It says, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, And because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. 
And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure, there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Will thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure, there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure, there shall be thirty found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure, there shall be twenty found there. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, Oh, let the Lord not be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. And Abraham returned unto his place. Now here we have Abraham pleading with the Lord over this totally wicked city, Sodom. Totally wicked. Homosexuality, murder, greed, pretty much like America is, if we're not worse than they were. So we have this evil, wicked city. And God's saying, I'm going to check on them, and I'm telling you what, if it's what I think it is, they're toast. They're done for. I'm going to destroy them with fire and brimstone. And Abraham, that with the heart for the people, said, wait a minute, Lord, there, there's some righteous people in there. If I find 50, will you please spare them? God says, all right, Abraham, for, for the sake of 50. Uh, Abraham keeps on haggling with the Lord, keeps on haggling and gets them down to 10. Lord, for 10, and God says, for 10 righteous, I'll, not spare, I'll spare Sodom and Gomorrah and not destroy it. If you find me 10 righteous, I won't destroy it. Now, you know what's easy to miss in that is this. God says, if you find 10 people, I won't destroy it. I won't destroy it. In other words, 10 righteous people, 10 people who have humbled themselves before the mighty hand of God, 10 people who are praying to the Lord, 10 people who are seeking his face, 10 people who love his word, 10 people who worship. If you find 10 of those, even amongst the thousands or millions, however many there were, God says, I'll spare even the heathens, all the homosexuals, all the whatever in the world filth is going on in that city, I'll have mercy and I won't destroy them for the sake of the righteous. Now remember 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people, which are called by my name, God's looking at the righteous. God's looking at those of us who are cleansed by the blood of the lamb. He's looking at us to see what we're going to do in America. God says, just give me 10 you find 10, Abraham, I'll spare even all those heathens, even all those 
filth and garbage that goes on, all the pornography industry, all the trash that goes on, all the hate and greed, I'll spare them and I will have mercy on that entire city if you only can give me 10 righteous. I'm here to tell you this morning, God is looking to us. He is looking at us. In heaven, he is saying, I know what the heathens are going to do. They're going to keep being heathens. I'm calling you to repentance. I'm calling you to pray for this nation, to this America, modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah. That is what we are. God's looking to us. This morning is called a day to pray. Here in a little while, at the end of the service, we are going to bring the flag down, and we're going to gather around it, and we are going to pray a prayer of repentance, a prayer for our country, that God would come in and heal our land, a prayer of humility, that God would humble us. You think maybe you don't even know what a prayer of repentance is. Prayer of repentance is, God, we are sorry for letting this happen in our land. We, we, we read this morning what our forefathers made this nation. They made it based on the Bible. They made it based on Christian principle. And then they handed us the baton, and we got lax. We compromised. We, we basked in the, the favor of God. We basked in the, the blessing of God, and we let it all slip away from us. Now we, here we are with manifest problems. For the sake of 10, 10 people. Is there 10 righteous in here this morning that God will spare our land? Is there 10 that's seeking? Is there 10 that's humble in heart? Can God find 10 of us this morning, just 10? 10 people that haven't idolized sports, 10 people that haven't idolized vehicles, homes, careers. Is there 10 of us this morning? The laborers are few, God says, few. Only 10 out of the thousands, out of the hundreds of thousands, out of the millions. Give me 10, God said. For 10, I'll spare you. 10 that humble themselves. 10 that acknowledge God. 10 that believes in the Father, in the Son, in the Holy Spirit. God would spare America for 10 if just a few were faithful. Do we have any faithful in here this morning? Faithful, people that have real faith. It doesn't get shaken by criticism. God is looking at us this morning. He's looking at us. The ball's in our court. God's waiting on us to humble ourselves and to pray. I, can't, I cannot agree anymore with what Mr. Mike Huckabee said. And I'm not pushing him on you. If he runs for re-election, vote for him or don't. Go ahead and vote for whoever you want to. But I still have to agree with him. Our leaders, call them leaders for lack of a better term, he would spare them if he just found 10. God's looking at us. In 1963, Madeline Murray O'Hare won a lawsuit against the Baltimore school system. They voted in favor 8 to 1, and they labeled prayer unconstitutional in schools. 8 to 1, unconstitutional in schools, 1963. Funny thing is, you remember the New England Primer? Remember Pastor passed that book around? I think we could even buy one. Little blue books. We still have ours. That is direct scripture teaching our children. That is how we used to teach our children in public school system using the New England Primer. A book nearly just like the Bible. 
a book that got everything from the Bible. That's what we used to teach our children. 1963, unconstitutional to pray. And from then on and now till today, it just the ball kept rolling. The snowball got bigger and bigger and bigger. Now there's no prayer, not just in the Baltimore school system, but in any schools. It's all gone. And we wonder why kids are getting shot up. We wonder why our kids have no idea what in the world right or wrong is or black or white. And we're wondering, why? What's the problem? What happened? These kids, what are they, stupid? Are they dumb? They can't learn? We, we walked away from this. Our forefathers handed us this and said, hey, govern yourselves using this and you'll be all right. We said, all right. We took it. We laid it down. We got ourselves educated. We got ourselves universities and colleges and we taught ourselves and we said, you know what? I'm wise now. We, we know what to do. Over the years, the ACLU has attacked the public display of the Ten Commandments and has been successful. We all have seen videos of movers coming in and creating out the big granite uh, inscribings of the Ten Commandments, creating them right out, putting them on a truck, and taking them away. Get them off public property. Get them off. Successful. And we wonder why we have thieves and murderers walking around. Why were those Ten Commandments put there in the first place? Because that's what we believed back then. That's what we, we made ourselves back. We say, hey, hey, govern ourselves using this, Ten Commandments. Hey, put them at a courthouse. That'd be a good place for the Ten Commandments. Put them at the courthouse. Not anymore. We done took them away a long time ago. All major businesses nowadays, it is very rare for them to even mention Christmas. How many of you realize that Christmas is actually a national holiday? It is a national holiday, as declared by our federal government, a national holiday. And that businesses won't even say Christmas anymore because it pertains to Christ. Our forefathers acknowledged Christ. Our forefathers said Jesus Christ. They said that. They said, I rely on him to pardon all my sins. Now we won't even say Christmas. For crying out loud. And we walk around scratching our heads. Hey, what's wrong? How come, how come America's gone broke? Because God says, hey, okay, you won't even mention Christmas anymore? Do what you want. I'll be waiting. If you want to pray and repent, I'll, I'll hear. But do your thing. Let me know how it works out for you. Well, that's what this morning's all about. We're going to tell God, Lord, we tried it. Didn't work out very well. Now we're in a bad way, Lord. Can you help us out? We used to make all kinds of goods, handmade goods. Any of you watch the show How It's Made? Ever? I like that show. It's pretty cool. You watch it. A lot of that is handmade stuff that's actually still made here in America. You pay an arm and a leg for it, but that stuff is awesome. There's a big difference between handmade stuff and factory-made stuff overseas. It's because us Americans, God blessed us with ingenuity. How to make stuff. The thinkers. Now it's shipped overseas, getting stamped out of cheap metal, and all your stuff breaks, and you wonder why. Because God said, all right, you don't want me no more. I ain't going to force myself upon you. Do your thing. Just let me know how it works. I'll be waiting. I do believe that we still have God's mercy. If we did not have God's mercy, we would all be dead. 
Every last one of us would be destroyed right now. We still have God's mercy, but we do not. Be clear now, we do not have his favor. You do not get the favor of God and rack up 3,300 dead babies a day. God says, I knew thee before I formed thee in the womb. You want to say, eh, you know, just a little, it cells dividing, you know, just a fetus, not even a baby yet. God says, I knew thee before I formed thee in the womb. God recognizes a human being before they're even born. God says, I hate hands that shed innocent blood. He does say hate. You didn't hear me wrong. He says hate. The shedding of innocent blood. Can I find 10 righteous this morning? Is, is there 10 can we haggle with God this morning and say, Lord, just for 10 of us, Lord, will you spare us? You wonder, you wonder why I have buddies at work, hardened heathens, who will take the Lord's name in vain at the drop of a hat, combine it with the worst of cuss words, and not think a thing about it. I have guys like that coming to me saying, hey, man, what's going on? What, what do you think? What? Is, is this like the end of the world or something? Is God going to save us? I had one guy say that. Is God going to save us? I believe, and I don't want to try to freak any out. I believe we're pushing towards something. A cliff, a waterfall, we're in a little canoe without a paddle. I don't know what you want to call it. The, the wrath of God, call it whatever you want. But I, I guarantee he is not happy with this land. He is not happy with us. Sports has become a multi-billion dollar industry. And I like sports. Sports was an innocent thing. But we took innocent things and made them idols Amen. and crafted idols. And we took God and moved God down here and put sports up here. And then we wonder why we have problems. Because when you walk away from this, you get some serious problems and repercussions. Can God find 10 righteous in this congregation? Can he find 10 that will pray this morning? Can he find 10, at least 10, that will gather around the flag, lay hands on our flag that represents our country, the stars and stripes, and say, Lord, I humble myself before the mighty hand of God. Forgive this land. We messed up, Lord. We messed up. Somewhere along the line, we messed up. Psalms. Chapter 118, verse 8 says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Verse 9 says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Princes, modern day term for president, Congress, all that. My trust is not in them. Understand? Our trust cannot be in man. Our trust is supposed to be in God. Not in legislation, not in bills. In God and God alone. He's the only one that can steer us out of this mess that we are in. We've created problems nobody knows how to solve. We've created problems that even if we could solve them, no one can agree on how to solve them. And that's just man. They're just men. They, they put their pants on the same way I put mine this morning on. Same way you put yours on. They're men. They're people, flesh and blood like we are. Our hope is in divinity. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in a higher power. Our hope is in Christ Jesus. Our hope is in repentance to Christ Jesus. Our hope is in humility to God. 
humbling our hearts to God. That's where our hope for this nation is. Not in Bill 329 that's coming up. Our only hope is in God. Isaiah chapter 31 verse 3 says, Now listen, now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses flesh and not spirit. When the Lord shall stretch out his hand, both he that helps shall fall, and he that helped shall fall down, and they shall fail together. They're just men. All the guns in the world won't save you. All the tanks and equipment in the world. You see these guys, me and Shannon, were watching the TV show last night. These people spending hundreds of thousands of dollars making these underground bunkers that's biohazard proof and, and flu virus proof and ammo stockpiled millions of rounds and guns and everything. If that's what you're hoping, then your hope is in man. Even if so, I looked at Shannon and said, even if, you know, that, that looked pretty cool, but I don't, I don't have that kind of money. Who has $150,000 to buy a vault you can bury 50 feet under the earth and survive out of it for 10 years? Now, I don't have that kind of money. Maybe you do, but I don't. Either way, if I had the money or not, my hope is in God. Not in a burial vault, not in ammo. My hope is in God. The Egyptians are men and not God. Psalms chapter 146, verse 3 says, Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. There is no help. We're going to call the right person this morning for help. It's just God. In Him there is help. I look to the hills whence comes my help. It's God. He's the one that's going to help us. People are, are freaked out. People are afraid. People are scared. People are prepping. To me, that's God speaking to even to unsaved people, warning them, saying, hey, you guys have messed around long enough. I'm going to start pouring out some wrath. And understand, people say, why God do this? Why God do that? God pours out his wrath, honestly, as a merciful thing to straighten his people out. Understand that? I pour out my wrath on my sons to straighten them out, to keep them from being idiots when they grow up. I pour out wrath on them every now and again. And I'm telling you, God is going to pour out his wrath. Mark my words from the authority of this pulpit. He will pour out his wrath on this nation if we do not change. He is going to. He is going to. Don't be surprised. We already have earthquakes and famines and pestilences. All that stuff's going on as predicted in the word of God. I'll tell you right now, get in your Bible and read Revelations. Read Revelations. It isn't a pretty book. It's downright scary. Some stuff's hard to understand, but the stuff I can't understand, I don't want any part of it. Tell you what, I'm just going to keep on serving God. Keep on serving God. If they come and say, hey, take the mark of the beast or you lose your job, go home right now. I told Shannon yesterday, I got no job. You know, if that's what they say, I'm coming home with no job. My God is faithful, though. My God is faithful. He is faithful. He will take care of his people. But he has called us to repentance. He has called us to repentance. Amen? Amen. Troy, would you please bring the flag down? Can I get everyone to stand, please?
Ed Clifton, I'm going to need you up here. Rod. Now listen, I, I do not want to give God a token prayer this morning. I don't want to say, Lord, forgive us, help us out, you know. Let's give God some solid time of prayer, okay? If we can all, when the flag gets put in place, Ed is going to lead us in prayer. And if I can ask every last one of us, we're going to gather around this flag. This flag, we know it's just cloth, but this flag represents our nation. Let's gather around our nation and offer up a prayer of repentance. God, we are sorry. We have messed up. We've made a mistake. Let's gather around old glory, stars and stripes, representing the 50 states, the 13 original colonies. Let's gather around this flag. Lay your hands on it. Grab a hold of it. Put your hand on your brothers and sisters' shoulders. And we are going to tell God we are sorry. We made a mistake somewhere, Lord Jesus.